Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, unfortunately, that Sunday capper was not at, you know, you get four days into Thanksgiving leftovers, kind of a little dicey. I felt like that's kind of how Sunday was. Mm-hmm for the Colts and blowing yet another double-digit lead and losing to the arch-nemesis that is Tom Brady. I'm Kevin Bowen back. Chris Presley across the way. The month of December is upon us, and the Colts are 6-6. Six and six. Um, We'll look at the big picture today. We'll obviously unpack a whole lot of what happened in the 38-31 loss because there is good, there is bad within that, and I think that's probably what adds to the frustrating aspect uh, first off, Chris, I know a busy week for you over at Lucas Oil, IHSA State Finals, six games over Friday and Saturday. Your help with Network Indiana there. So uh, Thanksgiving good, weekend good? Thanksgiving was good. Uh, weekend was great. Obviously, congrats to Cathedral, your alma mater, for winning another state championship. Uh, but, yeah, it was fun to be at Lucas Oil, being up in the press box. It was kind of funny. Um I don't know the gentleman who was behind me at one point, but when we were up in the press box, he's on the phone with someone. It's like, I'm looking straight down. This is higher than NRG. This is higher than MetLife. <laughs> I've never been in a press box this high, as you can attest to, because I texted you about it. But, yeah, it was good. Thanksgiving was great. Good to see family. It's always nice to recharge the batteries a little bit. And even though I work technically Friday and Saturday, it's not really work when you're going to watch a football game yeah and there's some very competitive games yeah as well especially that six day game between center grove and westfield it is i think yeah them uh, the colts and nrg probably the two highest views now it's better than like new england you got an end zone view which is terrible oh yeah buffalo an end zone view i think washington's a bad view tennessee's got a great view right at midfield but yeah it's always something that i guess i just didn't realize so i started traveling for road games uh, but yeah the colts view not great in terms of uh, height, but it is nice from an all-22. Like, you watch the Ashton Doolin play, and you see it happen as soon as the snap yep. happens. Or, like, Isaiah Rogers kick return to end the game. I'm saying to Chap, I, I sit next to Mike Chappell, like, as soon as Rogers kind of hits that crease, I'm like, oh, bah. like yep. oh my gosh, like, he might he might do this. Um, boy, that would have been a story. Uh, but let's get, uh, let's get into overall thoughts okay. before we get into what I liked, what I didn't like from yesterday. Um, yesterday stinks. It stings because it's Tom Brady. It stings because it's a double-digit lead. And it stings because you now are in the boat of you can't afford to squander anything else. Like, you could play great against Arizona and lose that game on Christmas. You That means you can't have another dud. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't you can't have a bad game down the stretch. And I, I think really the Colts have avoided a bad game in quite some time. Like, it's amazing I'm sitting here and thinking to myself, the Colts have had nine straight games. Well, they've led by double digits. Now, six and three in those nine, because you because you've blown three of them. Which again, that is that is like I'm trying to provide it from a glass half full view because mm-hmm. I'm not just trying to like hand you the glass half full. It's legit. Like I'm like guys, the Colts have had nine straight games double digit leads, but then it also is what the f- like yeah. why are we why do we need this help down the stretch? If you're a Colts fan, you know saying that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that is what is particularly frustrating. The Bucks lost a lot of starters, you know, early in that game. I always viewed this, Chris, as 
kind of a house money game. Yeah, I thought to myself, coming out of that uh, that Jacksonville game. All right, two games close out in November. Buffalo and Tampa. You take the split. You hopefully get the Buffalo game versus the Tampa game because it's the AFC game. And then you run into December and you see what happens. So, you know, I think big picture, if we can kind of step back for a second, this is the most realistic, best scenario you could have hoped for from the Colts. Granted, again, the frustrating part is, holy shit. Yeah. I mean, you're up two scores. You're on the verge of going up three scores. And think about that. In two of these three losses, you've been up double digits and blown it. Double-digit leads in the second half of two of those games. Baltimore, of course, in the fourth quarter. Right. A huge lead. And then, obviously, yesterday with Tampa there as you're going in for that um, for that three-score lead. You know, I feel like I, I mentioned this at the start, but I also want to throw in the caveat of, like, we won't focus too much on this. Like, they've built these leads. They, they are a good football team. They don't have a record where you can truly appreciate that stuff. You know, when you are six and six, yeah, you, you, you can't harp on that too much, just because, you know, you got to go four and one. It looks like I don't know three and two. Maybe the Colts actually have the conference tiebreaker nicely in their favor. Now, granted, some head-to-head tiebreakers, you know, with the Raiders and the Patriots can mm-hmm. still be decided. But um, to me, the game kind of boils down to this: you have dominated turnover margin all year long. You've dominated the penalty game all year long. Minus three in turnover margin, mm-hmm. uh, basically minus four. I mean, let's say Pierre Desir drops that pick at the right. at the end. That's and of course four. it's Pierre Desir, right? Um, <laughs> who, who got roasted several times, but yes, he, he does make that play there late. And then penalties. I think you had twenty two yards more penalties. That's not a huge number, uh, but still, I thought there were some critical ones within that. Um, so yeah, man, it's. You know, after the Miami game, I remember talking about this. You know, after the San Francisco game, though, we talked about it of like, all right, you make some mistakes, you can get away with it against bad football teams, mediocre football teams. You do that against Tom Brady and the Bucks, you will not get away with that. And that, to me, is what sums up yesterday. You mm-hmm. muffle punt like Naheem Hines did against Miami and Jacoby Brissett, you can still win. You muff one against Tom Brady and the Bucks inside your own 20. You're not overcoming that. Right. And so I think it all boils down to turnovers and the penalty game. Colts have been so good with it all year. And it's not like they were even average with it yesterday. They were below average with it. And I thought that was costly. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to sit behind the biggest group of Tampa Bay fans probably in the stadium yesterday. Uh <laughs> So now are we talking legit Bucks fans or are we talking Tom Brady fans? No, traveled from traveled from Tampa. Wow, why? It was one of those like I love that, but why? It was one of those like chanting Tampa. Mm. Someone would say Bay even during the national anthem like Oh gosh. Those kind of fans? Yeah. Yeah, got it. So right yeah. when I sat down I was like this is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, that um, is um <laughs> You know, we had a little bit of a national anthem issue, right? The mic wasn't on or something? I sang. Yeah, I was going to say, all of a sudden, you know, you can't really hear it in the press box. But yeah, all of a it is like, kind of muffled in the press man, box. The but the crowd is singing very loudly, and yeah. then I put two and two together there. So that's when I kind of knew at the start of the day, I'm like, Tom Brady's in the building. But they, it, but they said, like, the, the first muff punt, and we only got three out of it, which football's football. You can't score on every possession. I understand that. Those first two drives, they were kind of looking at each other like, we're, we're okay. Yeah, I mean, the Colts could have had a bigger lead early. Yeah, they're like, you we're know. still fine. Right. So, Yeah, um, 
you know, we'll obviously get to Jonathan Taylor and, and and his usage. And like that is a that's on the blame list. You're not gonna hear me in the next hour say that's one or two on the blame list. It's not. Um it's frustrating, it's a problem. But I think at times we run away from blaming players and immediately blame the head coach or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we can give blame to several different people and parts of the game. Yeah. Uh, but for me, Chris, it's going to start with two really specific plays. Okay. Well, let's start with those those two 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 specific. Wow, I can't speak here on a Monday morning. Uh, plays. Obviously, the last three weeks we've been fortunate enough to talk about what you do like. Yeah. After a loss, we talk about what you don't like. Let's jump into those two plays. Yeah, let's start with what happened first, kind of go in chronological order, and that was the Eric Fisher strip sack there in the third quarter. Um, you ended the first half so well with that touchdown. You know, I thought that was a big sequence. You know, mm-hmm. Tampa had scored there late in the first half. Fournette goes in from you know, a couple yards out. 17-14. Colts answer. Big, big drive. 14 plays, 75 yards. Go for it on that fourth down to Hilton, and – that was a huge score for me at that moment of the game. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, the Colts get the ball to start the third quarter, and I'm thinking to myself, mm, boy, Chris, <laughs> you score here. I know you've blown three score leads before, but I think it's over. I do too. Uh, now, if I would have tweeted it, of course, people would have just, right. you know, tried to contact Jack Dorsey to get me off Twitter. Although I thought I saw Jack Dorsey's gone. Um, could be wrong there on that. Anyways. Um, first and ten, Tampa twenty yard line, uh, just like the Baltimore game. You know, you're you're in the red zone. Eric Fisher allows a strip sack. It's mm-hmm. uh, you know, you should be able, I think, to leave your left tackle on an island on a first down. Like that, that should be there. I know Shaq Barrett's a great player. Um, and I thought he just had his way with Fisher. Bull rushes, speed rushes. I mean, what an individual effort by Barrett on the play. He strips mm-hmm. it, sacks him, and he gets back on it. Right. He did everything. Yeah. Uh, you get back on it, you're still in field goal range. You know, you, it's fine there. Uh, just an incredible play. And, you know, this is Fisher. This is what we've seen. Um, Chris Bauer took a risk in signing him, and I would say it hasn't worked out. Um, there's been nice moments in the run game. I think there's been times in the past game where you haven't seen it, but when you're facing the upper echelon rushers, We've seen too many of these plays where they are like catastrophic type plays. Wentz has held on to a few that you've gotten away with. Um, he had no chance to hold on to that one. Honestly, I'd have to go back and watch. It looked like a touchdown was about to happen. I thought, uh, was it Granson? Somebody was wide open. I guess Granson caught the ball before. I, I thought it was him. Um, and that just adds to it. You know, I thought that was just a fatal, fatal air of mm-hmm. like, you know, when you have turnovers. They're obviously big, but I just thought several of the Colts ones yesterday were just big, big turnovers. Um, so that's a first play for me because, again, I think you go up three scores there. And, you know, I know usually I do the under-the-radar play. That's kind of – that's not very under-the-radar, but as soon as that happened, you know, I just said a chap. I go, circle it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just – you just felt it. Uh, Tampa Bay wasted little time. I think they had one-third down in their next drive, but they quickly moved and got that touchdown. And from then on, it was it was game on at that point. Um, the other play is the Naheem Hines muff. You know, early fourth quarter, uh, you finally, I think it was the only stop you had in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. You had forced a three and out, Yeah. and Hines muffs it. They get three out of it, but that was still just a big three in that, you know, they were able to push it, you know, up to a touchdown later on. And, and uh, you know, Hines, again, hey, you have the muff against Miami, you overcome it. You, you just, you can't, this is the blame for me. The blame starts right there. Eric Fisher, 
Naheem Hines. Two guys that, uh, and sure, if you want to take it another step up, you're like, well, Chris Ballard, okay, Ballard made the mistake with, with Fisher. All right, fine. You want to throw blame there, throw blame there. In the course of 60 minutes of football, what we saw on Sunday, Fisher and Hines made catastrophic errors. And when you're playing legit opponents, you're trying to string wins together. That mm-hmm. was the question entering Sunday was, can you beat multiple playoff teams? Right. You, at some point this season, you want to play in January, you have to beat multiple playoff teams. And just two massive, massive errors by guys that are kind of I've, – I've had some questions this year. Hines hasn't been as solid as I think you would like him to be. There's been a couple drops. Obviously, his usage has been a bit confusing at times, too, but just hasn't been as consistent. We know he had the fumbling issues as a rookie right. during training camp, but for the most part, he's been pretty reliable. But when you muff two in a year, yeah, it's, I, yeah, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but, man, no, and as a you, lot. As you mentioned, and, and even before I was in the seat when Joey was here, always been a Naeem Hines fan on the podcast. Yeah. We all agree. Yeah. You talked about it earlier in the year. There's times where – now sometimes people can't get up to go to the bathroom during extra points because of the kickers. <laughs> I honestly got up and started to walk away during the punt because oh, I, I, I was like, "Should he, we blame you?" I was like, "He's got it. You can blame me if you want." <laughs> but I was like, "We're gonna get it. It's gonna be a fair catch." I hear the roar and I turn around and I'm like, "What the hell just happened?" Yeah, and a great play by Scotty Miller um, to get on that ball as well. So. That's where it starts. You know, before we're going to get into Reich, before we get into Jonathan Taylor and that usage, it comes down to huge turnovers, mm-hmm. quantity and quality of those turnovers. Yeah. Like, and folks, we can blame players. I mean, the ratio of tweets that I get, do, do, do you see any Twitter questions about Eric Fisher or Naeem Mines? What, maybe one? Oh, know? yeah. it's it's Like, yeah. maybe? It's all Frank. Right. So And it's just like, I feel like we are so quick to immediately blame the head coach. And, like, the players can deserve some blame, too. Was Frank Reich perfect yesterday? By no means. And we're about ready to hit on that. Right. But he also helped engineer an offense that scored 21 points in one quarter. Mm-hmm. He had 24 at half. You know, that's a huge, huge number against a very legit defense. So, blame to go around, certainly, for me, starts with Fisher, starts with Hines. Yeah. And like they say, you can't preach that every man on the team, every man needs to step up. But then blame just goes to one. I mean, it, it's 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 a team effort. We've questioned accountability here, and I think accurately we've questioned that before. So we will hold those players yes. accountable for such mistakes. And you I, know I, that they know too. You know Eric Fisher oh, sitting there, and Naheem Hines this morning sitting there like, damn man, I, ugh. One thousand, one thousand percent. So I feel like we do this after every loss. But again, if you're gonna make me rank a blame game. Fisher, Hines, 1-2, and then Reich and the usage of Taylor would be 3, and, and there's a big gap between 1 and 2 and going down there. Like, we just want to write off what you did early on in that game mm-hmm. and, and, you know, totally forget about what the offense did. All right, so we talked about 1 and 2. Let's jump to 3 because, obviously, we'll talk about it extensively through Twitter questions, but forgetting about going to Jonathan Taylor. We just abandoned the run there for a time being, and those yeah. could be checks. They might not be. Right. What's, right. Your, what's your thought there? Yeah, I, you know, there's a lot to unpack here. So um, let's try and make this as clear as possible. So Taylor had a stretch of – we had a stretch of 26 straight dropbacks by Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. Um, in that span, it was actually 26 minutes of football, ironically enough, that transpired then. Uh, Taylor touched it twice. Now, let's mention that you had a two-minute drill in there 
which Hines is usually mm-hmm. on the field in the first half. Totally get that. So that's, that's I think it's eight plays uh, that you have to um, take out of there. Uh, why did Frank Reich want to throw it so much? He wanted to attack Tampa's corners. He knew Tampa's corners were banged up. You just brought up Pierre Desir a little mm-hmm. bit earlier in the pod. That's a very banged up position group for them. Yep. Uh, the Colts moved it a good amount during that stretch. Now, I would also sit here and say, you moved it. You also had some wild down-and-distance situations that you picked up. So I don't think it was, like, as smooth of a move. You know, it's one of those things where you're just like, how many third and tens can you survive? Jack Doyle just coming right. to the rescue. Doyle, yeah. I think Pittman had one. Hell, Wentz outrunning Dominican Sue to the sideline yeah. on that third and 15. Like, it just felt like to me, like, oh, boy. You know, if you keep on doing this sooner or later. Now, granted, the first and ten strip by Fisher – Came on a first down. Um, the 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 whole Wentz to Pittman. Look, it, it, pick underthrown ball. Yes, I I don't have an issue with it too much. I mean, Brady throws the ball down the sidelines; it gets picked off. Like I, I don't have too much of an issue with that. For those curious, why um, I'm not bringing that up. Um, all right, Taylor, four carries for two yards in the first quarter. Chris didn't take I think anyone in the building long to see 347 pounds of Vita Vea making an impact. Yeah, in the middle. Where we have all of a sudden ignored, and when I say we, I'm basing this off the you know Twitter, right? Um, which is, gosh, boy, no wonder <laughs> I have more gray hair than the average 32 year old. Um, Jonathan Taylor four carries for two yards in the, in the first quarter. The dude averaged five yards per carry in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. We, I, I feel like we we want to forget that. We just act like the whole first half was bad running. But I am such a believer with the run game. It is a boxing match. It is a what happens in round one, not necessarily going to be there in round four. The wear and tear, the attrition, they're subbing guys into the game, subbing guys out of the game. They got banged up early on in that game. Devin White was in and out of that game early on. They also lost a couple other of guys. Um, To me, when you threw it pretty well in the second quarter, you had some sprinkled in runs that I think helped you in that area. I also felt like this game, a big reason why I ended up going with the Colts is I thought the short week would catch up to Tampa. And I think you kind of saw that late in the game when you gave the ball back to Taylor. You saw what a short week yeah. can do to you. Um, and I keep on coming back to this with Taylor. You have got to force some touches to him. And I know that is a very dangerous thing. 26 passes is an astonishing number. 26 dropbacks in a row, I should say. Like you mentioned earlier, there's some run-pass options in there that, you know, Carson decided to to throw on. I am by no means acting like the Colts should have ran it 26 times in that stretch, or that number needs to be 50-50. I get why Frank Reich wanted to throw. You had some success in the third quarter. My bigger issue is your best player touches it twice Yeah. in a span that's nearly half the game. Taylor has got to touch it more. He's too dynamic, and you're not dynamic enough at receiver and tight end to make up for it. You know, we had Jeff Saturday on the morning show today, and I asked Jeff, I'm thinking, you know, walk me through what you guys did at the line of scrimmage when the numbers weren't in your favor. He said, look, there were still times where we gave it to Edge. We yeah. know Edge's, Edge's, and they had Marvin and Reggie. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's not like, God bless the Colts pass catchers, but they don't, they don't have those guys. So I go back to the San Francisco game, Chris. Early in that game, Taylor has a flat-out awful drop on a second down in the flat. 
terrible drop. It's now third and 15. That third and fifth, that, that down and distance, that screams Naeem Hines on the field. They stick with Taylor. They give Taylor the ball on the screen, and he takes it 70 yeah. some yards for a touchdown. Like, those guys have got to touch the ball more than, than others. By no means am I saying, are you, you must run it X amount of time, or you, you know, this, that. There still needs to be times over the course of a game where even if the numbers aren't perfectly in your favor, you do run the football. If you look at that final drive, Chris, I know there's some thought out there that, oh, the Bucks had light boxes on that final drive. They did not have any lighter boxes than they did. No, earlier. they didn't. No, no. No, you just ran it right at them, mm-hmm. and you moved the football. Yep. I would have liked to have seen that in the third quarter a little bit more. I get that you moved it, but how those drives ended, I think, is a product of not having a little bit more balance. To me, this passing offense is not built to sustain over four quarters. It, it's just not. Um, obviously, you had a lot of success with it, but thinking that that game plan is going to be there and needs to be there for four quarters, I can't go there. Um, it's just also a little crazy to me that you go from one week where the national media, I mean, NFL's Twitter account changes their profile picture and stuff to Jonathan Taylor and or their header image, I should say. Right. And you have the hard knocks of he's one cut away from always doing to the next week where it's completely opposite. And I'm not saying that Jonathan Taylor, even though he's in his second year, should get in the face of the quarterback. But do you think at times, kind of like we on the morning show here, we have the Jeff Saturday, Peyton Manning kind of hilarious quote going back and forth. Should Jonathan Taylor look at, give me the ball. Yeah. I mean, it's not Taylor. Like he, he's not going to do that. So I, I, it should not be on the player to, to do that. That's where Frank Reich I think he's got to realize, and it was wild to me that Frank said after the game he didn't realize that Taylor hadn't touched it during that span. It's kind of like, dude, I get your call and plays, but you more than anyone should realize yeah. that the guy's got to get in the game. It, it, his playing time was there. 71% of the snaps, that's that's a nice number. It was just those touches were not there. Yeah. Um, I think a couple other things before we move on. The Bucks have a really good run defense. They're not the 2,000 Ravens or the 85 Bears. If you look at the last handful of games, Tampa Bay has allowed, I want to say the number, I think it's 4.8 yards per carry. It's a big number right? in four of their last five games. So this is not some, again, vaunted, you can't run on them. And I go back to what happened in the first quarter, and then boom, what happens in the second quarter? You found more success in the second quarter. So... Where's that in the third quarter? Yeah. You know? Um, and to the people listening, if it, that's the Eagles, the Bears, the Saints, and or I should say the Giants, Washington, Saints, and Bears. Not. So you're not. Yeah, it's those not Bo Jackson, Walter Payton, and right. Jim Brown. Um, yeah. You know, can you imagine the Titans giving the ball to Henry twice in 30 minutes? <laughs> you know, it, it's just. So, again, this is not at the top of the list for me that cost you, but it is concerning because it's it's a repeatable mm-hmm. offense that we've seen made this year. We saw it in the Baltimore game, not as much in that Tennessee game when you blew the lead, but certainly in that Baltimore game. And I think that is what frustrates fans the most. And honestly, I think that's why fans immediately blame Reich. It's because it's this obvious thing that you just alluded to, Chris. It's Jonathan Taylor. He's the MVP candidate. He's getting all this attention. You've you, they, They've upticked his playing time majorly mm-hmm. here in recent weeks. So it's like, oh, they are committing to him. And I just would have liked to have seen a little bit more balance. You still were moving it fine through the air. 
but a little bit more balance, slash, it is 28 touching the football, and he can turn a 10-play drive into a 4-play drive. And that's where I think I am particularly frustrated with this situation. Right. So, um, I know we got a lot of Twitter questions, so we can probably save any other thoughts for that on this specifically. But I did want to mention it. Um, again, tremendous. That second quarter, maybe the best quarter of the year, certainly passing offense oh, yeah. wise. But let's not forget, you had a handful of carries in there where Taylor averaged five yards per carry. Like that plays into it mm-hmm. a little bit as well. Um, yeah. I don't know what your guys' thoughts were up in the booth, Kev. The last one we're going to touch on. I mean, I know my friends and I were talking about it. Tom Brady, the clock, final drive for Tampa. Yeah. Did you guys feel that as well? You know, it's funny. Mike Chappell um, looked at me before the drive and goes, your level of confidence in the defense. If you would asked me at the start of the day, Brady takes over with three minutes to go, tie game, and that same question, I would have said minimal. I actually had some confidence at that point in the defense. Maybe it was DeForest Buckner centralized, and like Buckner was making several big plays mm-hmm. after that injury scare in the first half. So I'm thinking to myself, Brady has looked human at moments yeah. in this game. I mean, early on in the game, that passing offense had nothing in sync. And sure enough, Brady, and I find it fitting, and you know the week that LeBron and Brady are both in Indianapolis, <laughs> they both do it to us like they've done it. You know, yep. that just sounds weird saying it out loud. But, you know, for our generation, we've watched LeBron and Brady more than anyone. Absolutely. At their respective peaks. And they have probably burned us, I would say, combined more than any other market. I don't, I don't know if anyone else kind of comes top of mind. But I would say we are the market that's received the brunt of it the most. And LeBron did it with perimeter shots last Wednesday. Not a whole lot of pain activity late in that game. And Brady did it by relying on a lot of Leonard Fournette on that final yeah. drive. I think that is what is so frustrating is the lack of resistance on that final drive. Brady goes 5-5. Five of five. Um, Pretty dink and dunk with that 5-5. Five of five. Fournette, a run of 11. A run of 13. Or excuse me, a, a passing run of 13. A run of 8. And obviously the 28-yarder to win it. Yeah. Um, just disappointing. Really disappointing. I get the Tampa Bay is a great offense and all of that. But you know what? If you want this defense to take another level, just a little bit more resistance, Chris. Eight plays on that drive, six, six first down, five first downs. I mean, they had a second and seven, a second and four, and a second and two. Mm-hmm. No third downs. Yeah. And look at their second downs. A second and four, a second and two. Like two of them that were, you know, exact situations that so that I guess is what's disappointing. When you see them give up 38. You think the defense played really bad. I, I don't sit here and say that. I don't. I think there were a lot of nice moments from the defense. But, man, that final drive. Yeah. Just pisses you off. Just and There's your chance. You know, I think we're looking for chances of when do you take that giant step forward. Buffalo was a big step in the right direction. When do you take that bigger step? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have that in you? I thought that was a moment there that you could have. Hell, you got them behind the chains once. They had a first and 15 after that false start. Yeah. Fournette, draw for 11. No, it's just tough. It's one of those games where, again, I went to school out of state, so I have a lot of out-of-state friends, and the eyes kind of started opening nationally after that Buffalo win, and then after the Colts got up yesterday, I get I get more texts rolling in like, oh, wow, this team is – you guys might be playoff bound. This is actually turning into a good team, and 
Football's football. It happens. We lose, but. And I think I go back to Thursday, Chris, and you, you bring up that Buffalo and, and the Raiders winning on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just this is where you talk margin for error. And I am a firm believer. Look at the conference records. That's key. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think that the Colts, if they go 4-1, and one, will be in the playoffs. But you can play a really good 60 minutes of football, hell, against New England, certainly Arizona, certainly the Raiders, and you can lose. Absolutely. So if you lose that, that one, that means you got to win all the others. And that's what I think is concerning. This team hasn't played a bad game. And by bad game, I mean, like, over half the game is poor. Yeah. Something like that. In, in months. Months. I mean, hell, you could argue since Carson Wentz was banged up early in the season. So do you look at that as they're better than the record says or they're due? You know, it's just it, you can look at it, I guess, glass half full or glass half empty, whichever you want to. But, um. Yeah. Yeah, and right now it's going to be week to week, so we shall see. All right, we spent a a decent amount of time talking about what you didn't like. Let's go about things that you actually did like. When we talked about that offensive flow early on and how we moved the ball. Great. I mean, mean, how good is that ball to Doolin? You know, everything. Protection, the ball, the separation by Doolin. I mean, it's rare you see a guy catch a ball in stride 50 Mm -hmm. yards down the field. And Doolin did that. Just beautiful. Beautiful by Wentz. Uh, protection was down. You know, you didn't have a first down in the first quarter. You know, everyone's like, best half of the year. No, 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 best quarter of best the quarter, year. Yes. Like, you didn't do anything in that first quarter offensively. Your first first down was 12-39 to go in the second quarter. You know what sparked the run game now that I'm looking at is when you went tackle eligible. You brought in big old Matt Pryor. He's uh-huh. a big dude. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, you went eight with Taylor and then five with Taylor. And, again, this is where I find it fitting. When you ran it a little bit, you're passing. That drive, the Doolin touchdown, eight yards by Taylor, five yards by Taylor. So that's first down, two mm-hmm. runs for 13 yards. Yep. Boom, Doolin, 62. Find a little balance. You can do some magical things off of it. Uh, yeah, I thought the second quarter was great. Um, you know, Doyle, obviously, I thought the run-pass option design was really good on that on that second touchdown, and we talked about that final drive there in the first half. I thought that was – I looked at that as that's a, that's a game-changing time. That's what Brady does to other teams, and you just did it to him. Right. You got the chance to do the double dip, and, hell, you almost got it until the Fisher strip sack. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely wanted to mention that. Like, you guys know, you guys are listeners to this podcast. You know what I think about Frank Reich as, as an offensive mind. I, I, I like him. I like the play calling. Um, I like the designs, things like that. What's frustrating is the personnel usage, particularly with Taylor at times. But, again, I thought yesterday was another indicator of more often than not you have an advantage offensively. With That's good defense. And you put up 21 in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wanted to mention that. Yeah. Second thing you liked, let's talk about the defensive play of DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that we mentioned a couple guys on that side of the ball just because, again, um, I didn't think it was all bad. You know, I – I was a little surprised to see Buckner not more in the stat sheet. Uh, one sack and one quarterback hit. So, I don't know. I feel like he was... Big deflection, though, Yeah, too. that's a good I mean, point. Yeah, yeah, he had the big pass defense. That was around the red zone, wasn't it? I think it was maybe even a third down. Yes, it was. Um, Got him off the field. Oh, they had to kick the field goal. And Right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, that uh, I, I wanted to mention Buckner. You know, he thought, for those that listened to, to our morning show... I thought he was the X-Factor coming into the game. I thought if Buckner got to an all-pro level, 
you would win the game. And he was close, man. He was knocking on it, really knocking on it. And Leonard, you know, uh, the punch. Like, you imagine no. the preciseness, <laughs> I don't know if that's a word, that you have to have to execute that. Like, And that was one where I know he kind of made the tackle after the fumble. He was not in his usual squared-up position. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm trying to you – know, I'm doing the motion – when he usually punches, it's kind of the top-down punch. Yeah. You know, he's looking down at the ball carrier. He punches down to the ground. That one was like a little side jab. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like his peripheral vision. All of a sudden, he can sense it and feel it. Punches it out of there. I mean. <laughs> I was hoping, was it the Scotty Miller? I can't remember. Someone was running down the sideline, and he, he did an uppercut from behind. Yeah, he did try it later. And, and, was, and they got Pascal on it. Yeah. You know, later. Um, it was... <laughs> I'm in amazement. Uh, but why I really put Leonard on this list, Chris, is he also had that ball batted down. He mm-hmm. made a play as well. And he had 15 tackles. I know tackles can be a misleading stat in hell. I mean, some of those are probably tackling Gronk, you know, whatever, 15 yards down the field. But I thought that was more of the 60-minute Leonard that we've kind of been waiting for a little bit there. So I just wanted to mention those two guys. I did think you saw your safety issues on mm-hmm. full display. I thought Odom and Sendejo really struggled in that game, which is not surprising to me. And you knew Brady was going to pick on him, and he did. I mean, Gronk down the middle, Gronk down the middle. Like Gronk is a load, man. Yeah, he is. He's just a freaking load. And, of course, like, again, it's one of those where, as Colts fans, we're like, Brady and Gronk, no, why? I don't know. Come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. No wonder Gronk had so many positive <laughs> things to say about the Lucas Oil crowd after the game. He's like, has he ever lost here? Like, um so, yeah, I wanted to mention Buckner. Yeah, he lost the Super Bowl here. Colts, <laughs> <Yeah>. Colts <laughs> Col- game. Yes, he did. He did, which is uh, rejoicing. I, I thought we were going to have a parade here in Indianapolis after that Super Bowl loss. Do you think um, you talked about the 60-minute Leonard and, and the tackles. Is that some of it scheme, or do you think his ankle is starting to come back on the mend? Yeah, I think a little bit of – I'd say a little bit of on the mend. You know, you had the 10-day break, and – Obviously, the buy's coming up, so that's, that should help him. Yeah. Um, I still don't see maybe the sideline-to-sideline, side like, explosive nature, like, full-on display. Um, but still, I have noticed maybe a little bit more health for him moving forward. Good. All right, well, that's what's Kevin. what Kevin liked, what Kevin did not like. Let's jump into your Twitter questions. The first one's going to come from Jason. Kevin, what was the biggest factor of the loss? Colts turnovers, bad officiating, or both on the Pittman jump ball interception at the 10-yard line? Well, I, I would go turnovers. Yeah, I mean, I know people are a little bit uh, up in arms about the two pass interference penalties. I thought the Rock one was was a call that they make. Yeah. Um, you're on an island, you grab a jersey. I'm sorry. I mean, it doesn't get more blatant than, than, than that. When you're out there, again, on an island, you, just, you, you cannot have a grasp of a jersey. Um, and he almost had it like in a fist. It was like, yeah, he yeah. looked like one of those high school girls that has too big of a shirt, and then <laughs> you know they put it up in yeah. a, in a uh, rubber band or something like that. Um, yeah, the jump ball that was a hell of a play by Winfield. Winfield's a good player, yeah, really good is. player. Um, yeah, that you know, jump balls. I think when you have a six inch height advantage, you probably aren't going to get that call. And I, I know he almost it looked like at times he kind of climbed his back a little bit, so. You know, a little bit of that. I think it's the underthrown ball there. You know, if you lead him a little bit, you probably mm-hmm. avoid that. Certainly, Winfield doesn't get a chance to make that play. But, you know, Rodgers did a great job of pinpointing his interception. Isaiah Rodgers does a great job identifying the ball and yeah. making that pick there. So, yeah, turnovers. I mean, folks, 
The Colts entered Sunday with 10 turnovers in the year. That's 10 committed turnovers. Yeah. They had five in the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you had 10 on the year. You had five in the game. Like, you know, before you want to find out where Frank Reich lives, can we not just start there? Like, that is you – know, these guys can pay million of do- millions of dollars. We can hold them accountable as well. Um, four real turnovers. But, yeah, that, that's where I'm going, Jason. Kevin, David and John kind of have the same sentiment. How is it still not clear that Frank Reich or to Frank Reich that Jonathan Taylor needs to touch the ball a minimum and that's stressed stressed a minimum of twenty five times a game? He's our best player. We did the Bucks a huge advantage by taking him out of the game and for a huge chunk of the second half. Once we finally gave it to him, marched down the field, got a touchdown. I know the Bucks have a good run defense, but the Colts took their own best player out of the game instead of forcing Tampa to do it. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Appreciate that, guys. Um, yeah, I want my best player touching the ball. You know, we talked about the Derrick Henry thing earlier. I, you know, mentioned to you a conversation we had with Jeff Saturday mm-hmm. this morning about Edge, and it's weird, Chris, because I think Frank Reich, more than anyone, he is usually I am sticking with the run game in in years past. I, I should say, because he is a big believer in a boxing match, and you know, Frank at times I think he walks a fine line between. And I know people have kind of gone both ways on this. There's a lot of people out there that think Frank Reich is so in on Carson Wentz that he thinks Wentz is Mahomes or Rodgers or whoever, and he's putting too much on Wentz's plate, like because he loves Wentz so much. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I, I it's not it's something I'll, I'll definitely listen to. Uh, it's probably a debate more to have I think later in the year into the off season, but you know it's something I'll listen to. But typically, he is a full on believer in the boxing match analogy that is so often used the run game. It's not always going to be clear sledding, and there's going to be some moments where things get rough. And it just seemed like he went away from that thinking yesterday. You know, you, four carries for two yards in the first quarter. That's awful. Mm-hmm. But in the second quarter, I think officially, I want to say Taylor had four carries in that second quarter, averaging over five yards per carry on those four quarters, or uh, on those four carries. Right. So, boom. I mean, okay. Is that some light? Is it? Is it, you know... That's where if I'm Reich, I'm getting on the headset with Wentz and saying to himself, all right, if the box looks one number off, let's still give it to him because that dude can make people miss. Yeah. And he's got to touch it. So I kind of go back to what I said earlier, Chris. You were moving it passing offense-wise, but you also were playing with some fire in just the long down and distances. The run game can kind of get you into some more favorable situations. And I know the long down and distances didn't end up biting you turnover-wise, but I just I, I just feel like Tampa got into some pass rush situations, were able to make some plays there, and I mean ultimately you scored seven points in the second half. The only time you scored was when Taylor touched it. Uh, I mean, what do you have? Eight carries on that drive? Yeah, yeah. The I think it was the entire drive, right? Ten play drive of seventy five yards. Yeah. He had eight carries. Yeah, six first downs. Jeez. Yeah, and that's the thing. He, as we know, as Colts fans, um, he can mix it up. Right. Like in terms of his speed, like he can be patient. He yep. can juke. He can sprint. Like he, he's a different type of running back, and I think that's the biggest thing that frustrates people. Is he's different. Yeah. Not many guys you can look at and say that guy's different. Right. That guy's different. Yep. 
Preach, preach. I think all of that is spot on. Um, your best players have just got to touch it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Got to. All right, another kind of dual question here from Luke and Sam. Neither of them really blame Coach Reich, and like you talked about a little bit earlier, they don't feel that necessarily, you know, Reich's to always the one to blame during this game because the four turnovers or the four times in critical moments the ball was turned over. However, his approach needs to be explained a little bit more in terms of why we keep giving up double-digit leads. What's your thoughts on that? Boy, I think it's a great thing that I'm curious about, you know? Obviously, you're doing something good to build those leads. Mm-hmm. And again, nine straight games with double-digit leads. Yeah. But not holding on to them. Yeah, man, that's... you know, Where is that? Is that, a, is that your game plans aren't evolving for the course of a game? Do you lack that step-on-the-throat mentality? I think those are both fair things to wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, the offense produces at a high rate. Yeah, I think right now the Colts are top five offense in points, but it just seems like more the total package in finishing off those games. Um, so this is something that I'm, I am I wish I had a better answer on. It kind of goes back to the playoff teams. You know, I, I think when we had that question earlier in the year, why can't the Colts beat playoff teams? To me it was your quarterback's not top ten and your defense isn't top ten. You know, right. That's, that's kind of what you boil it down to. I think if you ask Frank Reich, he would say something similar to that. But – when you look at this approach right now, man, it's just – and really, the it's the Baltimore – like, Tennessee games, you had the fate, the, the just the awful turnovers by Wentz late. Um, but that lead went away pretty quick, you know, in that game. That wasn't the case Baltimore or Tampa. You know, you, you held on to those leads yeah. into the second half. I mean, you're on the verge of a three-step lead or three three-score – um, lead on on Sunday, mm-hmm. so yeah, I guys, I, I wish I had a better answer for you there, but you know, I think at times, Chris, you know, Frank is so inundated with the play calling that do you miss the opportunity to influence the game in other ways? And it might sound weird to say for a head coach, but like when I say that, partly is like the Taylor usage. Um, you know, Scotty Montgomery decides running back playing time. You know, I feel like if Frank was removed, and again, I think Frank should call plays, but like this is just goes to show, like when you are the head coach, there's a lot more on your plate than just calling plays. If Frank Reich doesn't call plays, there's no way he's sitting on the sideline and doesn't realize Jonathan Taylor's touched it twice in 30 mm-hmm. minutes. I mean, right. there there's no way. Like, you know, I mean, look at Bruce Arians, a great offensive mind. Who calls the plays? Brian right. Leftwich. You know, it's just like when you can step back and – see the big picture over the course of 60-minute game, just think you have a better grasp on all three phases and trying to put those teams away. Quick interjection here. I know up in the press box they have the TVs on. I don't know if you – and you've probably already gone back and rewatched the game. Um, Olsen at one point when the Colts were up big said that Frank Reich's not one to shy away from. If a play works, you kind of scratch, scratch it out and say – all right, that worked. Now let's move on to another. He'll keep going back to it until the defense stops it. Do you think that was kind of a little bit of yesterday? Yeah, I, I think what it really boiled down to is he wanted to attack those corners. Mm-hmm. That was the big, big key. And he just felt like the run game was tough sledding, which that second part is what is a little bit frustrating to me of like you ran into a wall in the first quarter. 
you then kind of broke down that wall a little bit in the second quarter, and that's what can happen with the run game. Yeah. And then you ran through the wall in the fourth quarter when you went back to it. So you just didn't take, like, to continue the wall analogy, you didn't keep on trying to knock it down. You just stopped, and you still moved it. But in trying to get the knockout punch on a short week, Vita Bay is not playing 100% of the snaps. You know, he's 347 pounds. <laughs> he can't be doing that. So, um, yeah, that's a good point. I thought Olsen. I thought Olsen was 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 decent. I thought he was too. Yeah, it's kind of kind of a different voice. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He's got All a right. very. He's a, very much a. I enjoyed that. Kind of towards the end, a very. He kind of gets to a whisper right at the end. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I can. I can. I can see where you're going with that. He does. He does. Um. So yeah, you know the Fox crews we don't usually get, but. Yeah. No. This is a nice listen. He's better than some of the crews that we've had this yeah, year. So right. agreed. I'll take it. All right. This one's from Craig. Hey, Kevin, another frustrating game in your opinion. What's the bigger issue? Reich not giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor until the fourth quarter. Or all the turnovers feel like they kind of play into one another. If we had run the ball a little bit more in the second half, could have eliminated many of those turnovers, strip sack, 50-50 ball, etc. And also, is it me or are Pascal and Hines really having down years? Yeah, let's stick with that part of the question since we have talked a lot about Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that's fair. Now, again, Hines, at times, I think his usage has not been where it's neat, where it needs to be. You know, if I'm not mistaken, Chris, the Colts had 69 offensive snaps. I think it broke down to 45 for Taylor, 24 for Hines. I, I need to go back and look. I don't remember them being on the field together. Excuse me. 49 offensive snaps for Taylor, 25 for Hines. So that means 74 total by them. So they I had guess, that one where they moved Hines in motion. Yes. To yeah. see what the defense would do and swing right. it out. But that I think that was yeah, the only so They're time. on the field it looks like for 5 snaps. I mean 5 of 69. I I'd like to see a little bit more. I know. than that just with how creative you can be off of that. Pascal down year. You know, Pascal is um pa- Zach Pascal played 95% of the snaps yesterday. 7 targets, 2 catches. You can be on the field that much, you can't be a liability. And he was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Not a word you use often with no. him, but I think lately he's been that. And, again, it kind of goes back to the whole wide receiver in March. Felt like it should have been more of a focus. You know, I know T.Y. had a couple nice plays yesterday, but T.Y.'s not – he's not the same T.Y. I mean, we we know full well that. So, um, yeah, Pascal definitely a down year. I'll be curious to see how that free agency plays out. Yeah, and especially the way that he started the year. I mean, the first two games, I should say. Right. In right, the start, right, right. I mean – you felt like there was some chemistry there. He plays too much to not have ball security, you know. Yeah. And like Pittman early on, you know, kind of stumbling out of his break, and the timing on that third and two wasn't great when when Pittman dropped. You know, it's just those guys are on the field too much to be, you know, not counted on as dependable. Now Pittman, I think, made up for it over the course of the game. Pascal did not. Yeah. All right, Kevin, throwing this one up to you. Chris feels like Frank Reich is truly brain-dead during crucial moments, especially with not giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor at the right amount of times. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, I I think I've said a lot. I I guess my two biggest takeaways from the run game, Chris, that I really want to make sure I make clear to people. One, Mm -hmm. don't let people tell you the Colts are running into a brick wall for 60 minutes. They were not. They ran into it in the first quarter. That was a brick freaking wall that was tough but that second quarter they started to get through that wall so that's number one don't think that like oh they couldn't run in the first half no 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 they couldn't run in the first quarter they ran it 
in the second quarter. Secondly, don't let people tell you that all of a sudden Tampa started to have a soft box in the fourth quarter. You go watch that final drive of the game, final touchdown drive, I should say, for the Colts. That was there were some loaded boxes. Um, you know, somebody passed along the PFF numbers to me. Uh, you know, eight man boxes. You know, how many times the Colts had them first half, second half? Very similar. They just had more production against them in the first half than they did in the second half. Now, eventually, you got there with that yeah. run game to end it, but. Um, yeah, don't, you know, I know those are two things you're like, did you see? It was all eight or nine man box. First off, eight or nine, that's a massive number. That final drive, that was a whole lot of seven and eight man boxes and mm-hmm. you still ran it against. Yeah. All right, we're, we're going to go to the special teams here. Patrick and Joe have similar questions in regards to punt returning and kick returning, especially with the muff punts by Naheem Hines, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast. Do we change our punt returner? And if we do change our punt returner, what's the difference between a punt returner and a kick returner? Like, could Isaiah Rogers yeah. be the punt returner? Yeah, that, that's interesting. I would say your punt returner is a little bit shiftier. Obviously, ball security is massive when you're a punt returner. Uh, but I'd say a little bit more shiftier, just kind of laterally, side to side. You know, some of the returns are, you know, can you just make that first guy miss and, you know, get 12 yards? Whereas your kick returner, probably a little bit more straight line speed. So Rodgers, I guess the name, um, I'm trying to think of the guys they also have put back there during training camp. Honestly, I think it's just kind of a lot of reliable guys. Well, mm-hmm. usually reliable, I should say. Pascal, I know, has been back there at times, and so is TJ Carey. Uh, so nobody really stands out. I know maybe I should look at, like, Deion Jackson, the Duke, you know, undrafted kid. I don't know if he did that at all in college. Um, but, yeah, I assume they will stick with Hines. I do. Um but yeah, I think that's a probably good a good question to throw down on the old uh, question list for the week. This one comes from Jake. Frank Reich not using Jonathan Taylor in the third, or Matt Eberflus playing off coverage on Brady with three minute with a three minute drive. I'm assuming he's asking which was the biggest key. Yeah, Jake, I I hated that defense so much late. I I need to go back and look exactly about how off they. It seemed like there was an easy pitch and catch there to Evans on that. Didn't break. Did Cameron Brait have kind of an easy pitch and catch as well? He had one down the seam, yeah. 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 uh, I'm looking at it right now. Brait had a first down. I guess Evans didn't really have one. Godwin. I think that was a catch and run, though, with Godwin, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, it really was just kind of dink and dunk Mm -hmm. on that final drive. Yeah. You know, it's tough to get home with that pass rush, but... I don't know. Did you feel? I mean, did you have a feeling that you're like, all right, Brady's going down the field and we're going to lose the game? I, I I didn't have that feel as much as I thought I would. I had faith in the defense, especially like you said. There were a there were a decent amount of times where our defense got their hands in the passing lane or Brady threw the ball short. Um, that passing offense for the Bucks early on that was something was off. Yeah, it, and it's one of those where you would think, and I'm gonna. You know what? We can all blame my buddy Danny. He texted me earlier in the week and said, if we can stop Godwin and Evans, they have no rushing offense. Right, right. And I said, yeah. well, Dan, because he's the worst better of all time, I said, you know that Fournette's going to go off now. And sure enough, four he, touchdowns. He looked like top five. You talk about a grown man. Fournette yeah. made some – boy, he made some plays there. You know, the other thing I think back on on an early play in that game, but just a play that you circle is Rock dropping that interception. Mm-hmm. Just a great chance, yeah. you know. And you throw in four turnovers, and there you go. Yep. 
All right, from David, how would you compare the cover two defense to the Dungey years and our ability to allow teams to move the ball with underneath passes and dump-offs? Yeah, David, I, I know the schemes aren't you know exactly the same. I would say the phrase that I've always been like, huh? When I've heard it from the Matt Eberflus and that defense is the whole no-cover zone. Like There are literally zones on the field underneath routes that they just will not cover. Um that to me is a little bit different. You know, I would like to start that first line of defense, especially against quarterbacks like Brady. That first zone, you know, whatever um, line of defense, if you will, that's got to be up near the line of scrimmage because, you know, you dink it and get five yards at it. You're staying ahead of the chains, obviously. So I would just say a tad softer is what you typically see. And obviously, from a pass rush standpoint, you don't have the two guys we saw on the stage. At, yeah. Uh, at halftime. Ursay brought the energy there at halftime. He did. I was hoping We Will Rock You would, would be played, but we did not get that. And a great amount. It's it's always awesome to see the veterans that come back for those as well. Yeah, you had a lot. I know. I know there were some people asking why they weren't on the field. Jake Query was saying, I think, COVID-related. Not everyone vaccinated, so I think that was a reason why. They just showed those guys kind of in the, in the suite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did find it a little odd that Peyton wasn't there. I'm thinking, you know, Peyton's shown up to... The yeah. other ones, I, I saw he was at the Denver game. I don't know if he was getting honored at the Denver game, but I know that Peyton did a whole lot for Robert's career, but I also think Mathis closed out a few games as well yeah. to help out Oh, for sure. Peyton. And walking in, watching Dwight Freeney hit the anvil, and yeah, you kind of look at him like, and some of these guys look like they can still play right. physically. So you think Venetary for the uh, New England game on the anvil? That would be awesome. You know? And... I'm going to piggyback off that because Sizzle has a question about the Patriots. Okay. All right. All right. Throw it at me. Do you think the Colts have this game circled, especially Chris Ballard, after his comments about the rivalry being continued after the Josh McDaniels uh, debacle? Rivalry is back on. Yeah. Um, Sizzle, it'll be the biggest game of the year. You know, when you, as the game moves along, as the season moves along, you see how each game what it means, and obviously you had a huge game on Halloween against Tennessee, mm-hmm. and that was big for the division. Yeah, it's f- crazy to think, Chris, at one point there, hell, probably like 3 o'clock, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, Colts might have a shot at this division. You know, like, yeah. it was oh, looking like sure. that. Now the magic number is 3, just to clarify for anybody out there. Um, I did think we had a division question, so maybe I'll hold off on that. But, look, it, it's a big game here in Indianapolis, but, you know, I'm not – I don't think that Patriots players go to Tim Hortons or wherever. I don't. I don't know. There's probably another coffee play. Tim Hortons is more of a Buffalo. Tim Hortons more Canada yeah, Buffalo. I, yeah. Yeah, but I regret the air I just said. Um, <laughs> wherever they go to buy coffee, I don't think the venom for the Colts is as extreme as the venom here for the Patriots. No. Like Colleen Bowen, she doesn't hate a lot of people. That's my mother. She hates Bill Belichick. Hates him. You know. I mean, there's a. I mean, look at him. I mean. Dude, I mean, those those hoodies are just... <laughs> there are some guys that you just... Oh, man. I mean, the, the Colts fans hate Belichick more than Brady, right? I mean, at this point, probably because his allegiance is still with the Patriots. I t- my mother texted me yesterday, being the solid Catholic mother that she is, don't boo, that's, unspo- <laughs> that's unsportsmanlike. I was like, Mom, me booing is far less than what Tom Brady's probably going to hear from people sitting behind him on the bench. Yeah, I mean, it's the game means a lot, certainly for the Colts. Um, Yeah, I mean, Ballard a little bit. Josh McDaniels is still on that sideline, so I'm sure there's something there. But, like, 
you know, ask Mac Jones about the rivalry. Ask Matthew Judon about the rivalry. I mean, there's not much, obviously. You know, and as much as we want it to be a rivalry, Chris, you know, the Colts haven't beaten them since 09. That's like, what I was you know, going to say. You ask those guys about the rivalry, they're going to say, what rivalry? Right. What? Well, like, what rivalry in terms of we <laughs> haven't experienced it much? And then, like, they're a legitimate fan. Okay, so 09, I would have been a sophomore in yeah. college? Freshman in college? Mm-hmm. Sophomore. That's the last time the Colts won. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole lot in Kevin Bowen's life that's different than <laughs> what it was back then. So... But, man, that's a big one. And Saturday night, dude. Yeah. Yeah, you're not— That's one, man. You rank these final five games. I think the Raiders game means more. What what Colts fans need right now, start cheering for New England to win. I know it sounds crazy. Start doing it. Start cheering for Baltimore to continue to win. And start cheering for Kansas City. You want the division leaders to run away with those divisions, beat everybody behind them. You want Buffalo in the wild card mix. Because you got the head-to-head. Mm-hmm. So that, that that's what you want right now. Or, like, you know, who do I cheer for? Like, last night, Baltimore beating Cleveland, exactly what you wanted. Exactly. You yeah. know, you want—you don't have the head-to-head, obviously, against Baltimore. So, um, you know, I know we're five weeks out and, hell, six weeks out, I guess, the Colts have a bye. How does scoreboard watching work? I think that's what you do. And honestly, in a weird way, like, you probably want to start cheering for, like, is Cincinnati 7-4? and four? Cincinnati is— I think they might be. Yeah, seven and four. Okay. After a beatdown yesterday. So who do, do you have the standings up? I do. Who else is seven and four? Seven and four. You got Kansas City, Cincinnati. Okay. So they're a wild card. Or they're a division team. Kansas City and Buffalo. So Cincinnati and Buffalo at at seven and four. Um, like you want Cincinnati to beat Cleveland, to beat Pittsburgh, to beat Baltimore, or not beat Baltimore, but to beat Cleveland and to beat Pittsburgh. Yeah. You know, because, you know, they're already above you. It's like, okay, they'll take up one wild card spot. You know, you just don't want the North and the West to one team wins one week, the next team wins the next week, the next team wins, you know. You don't want that. You want some separation to start to occur. Right. Yeah, you got to have the Raiders and the Broncos, like you said, start to start to go down the list as well. Okay, five more for the podcast. We got a pun from Wake Spike. He couldn't help himself. Has Blankenship sailed for the Money Badger? Has Blankenship sailed? Oh, my gosh. That is such a dad <laughs> joke. It took me a while. Yeah. Gosh, that shows you where my brain's at. Um, yeah, I mean, Badgley's the guy, right? 45-yarder, was that what he hit yesterday? Yeah. Um, yeah, Badgley's the guy. I mean, the Col- it's weird, dude. The Colts just don't attempt long field goals. No. Like, Colts do not attempt, like, 52-yard field goals very often, if at all. So, yeah, Badgley's the guy. I assume Badgley will get one game of, like, a miss or two. Um, man, if it's weird, if you're Hot Rod, boy, if you're Hot Rod and you're healthy, aren't you like, hello, cut me. <laughs> like, yeah, let, let me... me go somewhere else. Yep. Um, yeah, that's weird. Badgley's the guy, though. He's kicked very, I mean, yeah. I just like how the ball comes off his foot. I do, too. I kind of, you know, you're you're a golf guy. I kind of equate kicking to, you know, the way people swing sometimes, and you can just tell the way the way he strikes it. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All right, Kevin, this one's from Conroy. Did Mac and Indy, Marlon Mac, he's saying, agree to mutually just leave him on the inactive for the rest of the year to maintain health so he has a chance to go to another team in the offseason? So they they're asking if there's a mutual agreement between Mac and the Colts to be inactive. No, I, no, I don't think that's happening. He's got no role. 
You know, there was a game earlier in the year the Colts had 80 offensive snaps, and he played one of them. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't play special teams, and we've talked about how much Taylor and Hines need to be on the field slash touching it. So, no, that's not the case. If you have an injury, Marlon Mack is playing. Right. And it seems like he's still in a great team at, teammate yeah. in terms yeah, of yeah, hard yeah. knocks, like seeing him with the running backs and all that. Like, th- yeah. that's fun. To, like, it's good to see. Right. Now, Mack, yeah, Mack is a rare, rare breed. Good dude. And back to Hard Knocks, this one comes from Adam. He wants to know, last week's episode, Bubba Ventrone was going over the differences between Buffalo, letting them, letting the guys know that, hey, this returner puts the ball on the ground, and this is how we need to kick off to here, and yada, yada, yada. Does something like that eventually land him as a defensive coordinator job, whether it be for the Colts or somewhere down the line? Wait, wait, wait. Bubba's going to go from special teams coordinator to defensive coordinator? That's what they want to know. Oh. Um. No, I, I I would say no. Um, yeah, I don't see that. I I do think Bubba Ventrone is. I mean, there's a reason Frank Reich has had him be the interim head coach when Frank has I think been on a funeral or had had the COVID mm-hmm. earlier this year. So, um, yeah, I think Bubba Ventrone is thought highly of. I believe you know, and like special teams to head coaches. I mean, wasn't that Harbaugh, John Harbaugh? Yes. You know, I do think that's something that you do see. So, uh. I like Ventrone. I think he's got a little bit of a um, kind of a unique presence on this staff. You know, Marcus Brady and Frank Reich, I think, are pretty similar. Even Matt Eberflus. Eberflus might be a hair more demonstrative, uh, but I think Bubba's got a little bit of a little bit of a spunk to him. Yeah, you could tell he played special teams and was a really good player. Well, I think him and Brady had a big embrace after the game. I don't know if you saw that. Former, I did not. Former teammates. Yeah, and it's nice to let's. I mean, let's be frank. When you're sitting there, you know, watching film for hours and hours and hours, it's Kind of like when we were in class, you're not going to soak up everything someone says. They knew right away on the sideline, Molly Cox is like, Bubba said he was going to drop it. <laughs> you know, so obviously it was something that they harped on. Yeah. 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 All right. From Yash. Hey, Kevin, really appreciate everything you do and all your hard work. Dumb question for the pod. <laughs> Can the Colts still somehow win the division? Uh, uh, well, yes, I guess mathematically. Um, again, that magic number, which is Titans wins. Colts losses, combination mm-hmm. of that, I believe is three. Um, will you pull the Titans schedule, if you don't mind, Chris? Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Titans have an easier finish to this season. Um, now, we'll obviously see how things play out here for the Colts, but um, rattle me off that, that that Titans schedule. Okay. They host the Jaguars. And they got a bye this week, right? Yes. Their next game is the 12th God, of so, December. They're so banged up. They host, okay, they got the, Jags. host the Jaguars. Head on the road to the Steelers, which at that point we might want them to beat the Steelers. Um, then they host the 49ers, host the Dolphins, and then are at the Texans. I mean, they got to get one or two, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess if they only get one, who knows? But let's say they get two there, then, you know, the Colts would have to win out to get the division. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yesterday, man, when the Colts had the lead, it, you know, I thought to myself oh boy are we gonna have to start talking about the division but yeah that titans are so banged up yeah they are they're like about to set an nfl record for the most players playing in a season really they've got like 82 guys playing a game 83 guys playing a game the nfl record's like 84 well their running back yesterday was a practice squad guy who yeah. took off for that touchdown it's like iu purdue iu purdue on saturday was walk-on quarterback <laughs> yeah. walk-on running back for both teams granted purdue's walk-ons better than i use walk-ons but yeah that's what it feels like with the titans right now 
All right, last question comes from Jason. I know the running game has been phenomenal, and so does everyone else, which is why Wentz is a bystander all alone as Jonathan Taylor is gashing defenses. That's my point. With a mobile quarterback like Wentz, why aren't the Colts using design fake handoffs and let Wentz run? I know he gets knocked for his injury history, and the respect for JT leaves Wentz with no one else in the picture. Yeah, that's a that's a fair question. Um, I I do think Wentz's legs can be more of a more of a weapon. Um, you know, you wonder about. I think Colts do a really good job on those run pass options and short yardage where you can give it to Wentz or excuse me, you can give it to Taylor, or you know, it's like Doyle right there in the in the flat, or it's you know, uh, Granson. You know, is also running kind of a short route as well. I do think those are some kind of interesting wrinkles that they have off of that. So, um, so yeah, I, I do think that's something that, and you know, maybe that's just kind of in the back pocket of like, hey, we haven't shown it all year. We're going to show it, you know, late, late in games, uh, things like that. Or I should say late in the season. Yeah. All right. That does it for Twitter questions. Unfortunate loss, but we got the Texans next week. So hopefully we can bounce back. Yes. He is Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Like he said, um, the Colts have the Texans next week and then the bye week. We'll, we'll still do a bye week podcast. We'll, we've got enough kind of questions that we've saved. I think a little bigger picture that we can ask during the bye week. So, um, yeah, appreciate everybody uh, tuning in to this edition of Kevin's Corner. Hope you guys had a great week. And uh, we'll talk to you next week on Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.